You are listening to Behind the Mask with Diva with Depression. Hello guys, I hope all is well. This is the Diva with Depression and I am so honored that you tuned in. Before I start, I'm going to let you know that today's topic may be triggering for some. So I'm giving you an opportunity to tune out. I don't usually do that, but I don't want anyone to be upset or offended by the content. So if suicide is a trigger for you, then please, please tune me out. I usually do this in the at the end of the show, but I'm going to give you these numbers beforehand. The suicide hotline is 800 800- Two seven three eight two five five. That's two seven three T A L K, and their website is www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. The crisis text line is seven four one seven four one. You can text home or hello to seven four one seven four one, and their website is www.crisis textmind.org. If you need help, please reach out to one of these organizations so you can have someone to talk to. I want to share something with you. Guess what? Every day, or at least every other day for the past two years, I've thought about death. Yes. And I get up. I've done podcasts, I've done interviews, I've done, you know, submitted articles, I go about my everyday, but at night or even during the day when I'm laying here alone or and not feeling well, I think about death. And that's something that we don't talk about enough. We keep hearing, well, we've heard in the past couple of weeks about a couple of high-profile suicides. We have Chesley Chris, we've had Regina King's son, we've had Kevin Ward um, in Washington. All of these high-profile suicides are being talked about, but we're not talking about the low-profile suicides. Suicide is indeed a pandemic in our black and brown communities. And I don't know why people don't believe it, but suicide exists. It's something that we can't ignore anymore. The rates have increased heavily between 2019 and 2020. I can't even imagine the rates between 2021 and 2022, especially considering that we've been in a pandemic for the past two years. So... I know that the numbers are higher than what I'm reporting right now. And it's alarming. It's alarming. And so in our communities, we push it on the back burner. We believe that, you know, no one has a reason to die by suicide. We believe that it needs to be kept hush-hush. And... Like mental illness, 
this is not something that we can keep quiet about anymore because we're losing too many of our people, our family members. The highest rate among blacks, 25 to 34, the highest rate of death is by suicide. And according to Time Magazine, the suicide rates among black youth and young adults have risen over the past two decades. 12 out of 14 blacks ages 18 to 24 died by suicide in 2020. Isn't that alarming? You know, we hear about the celebrity deaths and we ignore, you know, what's really going on in our own homes, in our own communities. And if we don't talk about it, then it's easy to think that it's not a problem, but it is a problem. The 2019 Congressional Black Caucus said that black men 15 to 24 are four times likely to die by suicide than black women. That's another thing that we don't discuss. We don't discuss the high rate of mental illness and suicide in our black men. And we have to stop ignoring that also. You know, we have to start paying more attention to our men and get them to talk more and, and get them the help that they need. There's, there's no reason to be ashamed of living with a mental illness. There's no reason to be ashamed of admitting that you're struggling. You know, we all struggle. And being black and brown in America, listen, that's a struggle all within itself. When you start adding everything else onto the pile, it's a wonder that, you know, the rate is not 100% of us in our communities struggling with mental illness. So I'm ready to start the conversation and I'm ready to share some of my story. I'm not going to share all of it because I'm not ready to tell everything yet, but I can use myself as an example of what it's like to live with suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation as a black woman. I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago and it, it wasn't just this one friend. I've had this conversation with several people over the years since I started my platform that they believe that suicide is selfish. And I always want to drill down, you know, because I've heard that a lot. Like, why do you think that suicide is selfish? And so the answer is usually that the person that is dying by suicide is not thinking about those that they left behind. They're not thinking about their family. They're not thinking about their friends. So in one of my conversations, I said, well, let me play devil's advocate. Aren't you the selfish one who is, is expecting your loved one to exist in pain and discomfort and misery just to keep you happy? Do we ever think about it that way? You cannot imagine the pain that you have to be 
struggling with to think about ending your life. The pain is phenomenal. And it's not something that I've attempted, but I've come close. You know, the feelings can become overwhelming. And there's no words to explain it. You can't explain to anyone that's not suffering how painful the suffering is. And I know people get frustrated because I can't put those feelings into words. And listen, it's frustrating for me because there's nothing more that I would like to do than to put a name (laughs) to what I'm struggling with. You know, but I talk to people every single day and that is one of the things that's at the top of their list is I can't tell you how I'm feeling. You know, words like sad and empty and lost and hollow and numb, you know, those words don't do the pain justice. So isn't that kind of selfish for you to expect someone to live and misery just to keep you happy, you know, still playing devil's advocate when you have people that are terminally ill. You know, people believe that measures should be in place to let them in their life comfortably so they're not living in pain anymore. Well, people with mental illness are living in pain too. And, you know, there's no you know, medication, um, there's no one medication or painkiller that can numb what you're feeling. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, it leaves you speechless. And so, yes, I understand that you don't want to lose anyone. You know, um, you don't want to lose a family member. You don't want to lose a friend because they add so much value to your life. But how much of a valuable life are they living? You know, how do they feel? What are they experiencing? And so these are the conversations that we have to start having. You know, um, there are many reasons why, you know, I've experienced bullying um, from the second grade through through school and it, it, even through a whole adulthood. I mean, let's who are we kidding? There's adult bullies, abuse, you know, emotional abuse, physical abuse. There's you know racism. There's sexism. You know, poverty. There are so many things that are going on in our lives that cause us pain. And sometimes we just feel like there's no way out, you know, and there's no way forward. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can't feel that it's going to be okay. You know, nothing takes that away. And so when you have people that are living under these conditions, these are the conversations that you have to have. You have to listen to what they're really thinking and what, and what they're really feeling and and try to work through it with them if you value them you know um 
You know, when you love someone, you have to take the whole package. You can't pick and choose what part you take. So if you feel that you love someone that much and you can't imagine life without them, then help them to lead a more valuable life. Excuse me. So you know that I always give you a, a Wikipedia or a Google fact and you often hear about suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation and they're similar. You know, suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation are just thoughts of not being here anymore. You know, they're not necessarily equated, you know, equal to mental illness. You know, you don't have to have a mental illness to have suicidal thoughts. You know, you could go through a tragedy. You could go through a loss. Um, and you just don't want to be here anymore. You know, which was my case. But they haven't had a plan. You don't have a plan. You know, then there's passive suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation, which means that you think about it. You just think about it in the frame of, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, or you're driving down the street and it's like, oh, well, what what if what would happen if I let go of the wheel of this car? Or, you know, what would happen if I took too many Tylenol, you know, on this day or. Just just passing thoughts about not being here anymore. If you have active suicidal thoughts, then that means that you're starting to plan. You have a plan in place. You're starting to, you know, the people, different people have different ways of sort of letting you know that these are the thoughts that are going through their minds. So people start giving stuff away. People start working on their will, they start to act different maybe, with either withdraw or maybe interact more, you know, which would be their way of saying goodbye to the people that they love. So you just have to know the difference. Me personally, mine are passive. Mine have always been passive, even when I was young. You know, when I was going through different changes in school or <clears throat> at home, I would say, well, you know, what would happen if I wasn't here? You know, what happened if I what would happen if I wasn't around or how would they feel, you know, if I died tomorrow, you know, and then as I got older <clears throat> and Excuse me. <clears throat> this is an emotional topic for me. As I got older and things start started to become a little bit more difficult, then those feelings would increase. And, you know, I remember during a period um, of postpartum depression with both of my children, just feeling like I can't do this again. You know, I can't do this or. You know, I'm, I'm all alone in this. And just what if I wasn't here anymore? You know, but I never had a plan and I never talked about it. You know, um, 
I wouldn't talk about it in therapy and it's not something that I ever talked about out loud because number one, you know, no one wants to hear that. And number two, I was ashamed, you know, to think like that. And, you know, I had healthy children. I had a decent job. I had a roof over my head. And, you know, we're taught that when you have those things that you don't have any any reason to think about ending your life. You know, what the hell do you have to be sad about? What the hell do you have to be depressed about? And so I sort of stuffed those things in my mind. And I also, you know, use my children. Um, I sort of kept it at the forefront that I had to be here for my kids. And so, you know, I, I, I still have those days, you know, where it's like, oh gosh, I don't want to be here anymore. But then one of them would talk or, you know, I would look at them and I'd say, okay, well, you just have to push through and carry on to the, to the next day. And even when I had my first breakdown, in 2006 they were still passive you know I was in after I had my breakdown I was in the psych ward for a week and there was a woman that they brought in and she didn't have any clothes on she just had on her underclothes and she was wrapped up and they made her sleep on the floor in the hallway and there were two nurses around her. And of course, this was my first time being in that type of environment. So I didn't understand what was going on. But I, I found out the next day that she had tried to take her life. And, you know, part of me, I, I started crying because part of me felt so sad for her that she was hurting so much. But part of me, and I never said this out loud, but part of me was like, wow, you know, she's very brave. You know, how brave must you be to decide that I can't do this anymore and I'm going to take care of it, you know, and many won't understand that way of thinking, but I've just felt that, you know, she wanted peace and she did what she had to do to try to find her peace. And who was I? I mean, I was sitting there and I wasn't brave enough to go find my peace. I didn't know how to find my peace. And, you know, I remember that, that thought vividly. And, and I, I think I still feel the same way today, you know, when I hear of people that decide that they don't want to be here anymore that <clears throat> they chose their peace over what someone else would think or how someone else would feel but I continue to suppress those feelings and that's with taking medications every day and that's going to psychiatrists and therapists that's nothing that's something that I've never ever shared with a therapist you know, and I just keep kept pushing through, kept pushing through. And I remember there were days when, you know, when I was at my worst before my breakdown that I would be driving to work. And I did a couple of times take my hand off the steering wheel. Or 
I would sit in the parking lot when I got to work and, you know, just sit there and, and, you know, think, what if there was a way out of this? Because I hate this job. You know, I hate existing. I hate me. And, you know, those are passive feelings. You know, I never wrote out a plan, but they're still strong feelings. And I know that I say this often, and I can't stress this enough. When your brain is fighting against you, and the voices are screaming and hollering, and everything is working against you, all you want is some peace. That's all you want, no matter how you get it. You know, some people say I'm going to move to an island to get some peace or some people say I'm going to lock myself in the bathroom so the kids can't get to me so I can get some peace, you know, and and that's that's temporary. But imagine having a monster controlling your mind and, and squeezing your brain 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You just want it to stop. And I went that way. I, I, I carried on that way for a long time. And then I lost my sister in 2018. And I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I did not know what to do. Um, she's younger than me. Um, she was just the light in my life and I had no idea how to cope with this and she wasn't just my sister she was also you know auntie to my daughters um and she was her whole family was just a big part of that of my life you know and so you have that I had that going on and then I was in a relationship that I knew I shouldn't have been in um and I had, I, I, I was just lost. Um, and the person that I was seeing at the time, you know, after she passed away, he said to me, you know, you're always talking, you know, this depression shit. And, you know, you're always talking about, you know, suicide and taking your life or whatever. Why don't you just do it? You know, instead of always talking about it. You know, um, just do it. If that's what you want, just do it. And no one had ever said that to me before. And a couple of weeks later, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, my kids were grown. You know, well, my oldest was grown and, and, and my youngest was you know, graduating from high school and going into college, and I knew that they were old enough to take care of each other. Um, and that was the day that I said, I have a drawer full of pills, you know, and I have enough medication in this drawer right here that if I pour them all out and take them all, I'd find my peace. Not only will I find my peace, 
I won't have the pain of grief anymore. I'll get to see my sister. I'll get to see my grandpa. I'll get to see my daddy. And life will be happier on the other side. And that was the first time, guys, that I decided that I was going to do it. You know? Um, and I don't know what stopped me. I believe that it was probably one of my kids um, breaking my train of thought. But I knew that I was in the danger zone. And I knew that if I didn't get help, um, or if I didn't say something out loud, then the next day or the next day or whatever, I was I would have gone through with it. And so I had my daughter drive me to the hospital. And I checked myself in. And that was the first time that I said out loud to a professional that I wanted to end my life. And I was so ashamed and I'm still ashamed and I'm still sort of embarrassed. But listen, that's where I'm at. That's where I was at. And <clears throat> that's where a lot of us are at. And this had nothing to do with you know, being selfish or not thinking about other people because that's all I do is think about other people. You know, I think a part of my problem is that I'm always thinking about other people. But this time I just, the, the pain was too much. And fast forward to 20, the end of 2020 to now, every day, you know, I think about not being here. I uh, store my medications away from me, but I think about not being here. You know, if my body is hurting, I just want to end that pain. You know, if my headache is, is intense or my migraines come up, I think about not being here. You know, when I'm laying here by myself, you know, I'm all alone practically every day. I think about not being here. And the only difference is, is that now I do say something. You know, I have two friends that I confide in and I can say to them, you know, it's not looking good right now. And, um, you know, that's what goes to the mind of someone who's in pain and thinking about ending their life. You know, so these are the uncomfortable conversations that we have to start having. These are the conversations that you have to start encouraging your loved ones to have. Because being depressed and struggling with the mental illness and struggling with a chronic physical illness is hard and it's tough and the pain is intense. But if you know that you're not alone, if you know that you have people to talk to or people that will, you know, grab a cup of coffee with you or, you know, assure you that you're loved and that you're needed, even though sometimes those words can, you know, feel empty. But sometimes just a simple I love you or, you know, I need you or 
you know, just something that you know that your loved one needs to hear. It doesn't have to be a speech or anything, you know, and if you feel that the person that you love is struggling with suicidal thoughts, then talk to them about it. You know, don't be cruel and say, just do it, you know, because we don't want to hear this shit anymore. But talk to them. You know, what makes you what makes you feel that way? You know, what? What can you change to quiet those thoughts? You know, would you, do you need to change your environment? Um, what can I buy for you? Um, you know, what do I need to do to quiet those thoughts? Have that conversation. Talking about suicide is not going to make anybody do the deed, you know, and, and that's really an ignorant way of thinking which is is a wide spread thought say it out loud you know listen i feel like you're you're thinking about ending your life what can we do to turn that around what write it down what are your thoughts you know why do you want to do it how would you do it um where would you do it you know i think um, the more that we get dirty talking about these things, the easier it will be for people to free their minds and, and feel better about themselves. You know, I shouldn't be ashamed to share these things. I shouldn't be scared to share these things. I shouldn't be ridiculed for sharing these things. You know, this is how I'm feeling and and my feelings are valid because no one is living this life but me and I'm the only one that has to live with it, you know, so if I'm feeling that way, then I'm allowed to feel that way. If your loved one is feeling that way, then they're allowed to feel that way and you, you have to let them know that their feelings are valid, you know. Hey, man, I understand that life is tough. You know, I understand that not having a job is tough or I understand that, you know, not feeling loved is tough or feeling lonely is tough or feeling like you're not enough. What can I do? Can I help you find someone to talk to? You know, if, if you're if you feel like you're not up to that conversation, then help them find a professional to talk to. But please, please stop ignoring this crisis. And it, and there's no age limit. You know, we've seen in the past couple of months that five-year-olds, six-year-olds are being bullied and they're taking their lives. And you know, it, it, it's even harder for our babies because, you know, unlike when I was younger, once you left school or or, you know, the environment and went home and closed your door, there's no access. Now people have access to our babies 24 hours a day. So there's no age limit. You know, you know when your children are, are not feeling well. You know when they're not acting the same. So have the conversation. Open the door. Let them know that there's nothing in this world that 
they should be ashamed of talking to you about. And that if they are ever feeling like this, that they should come to you so that you all can get help. You know, because being a caregiver is difficult also. You know, so let this open a door to a family therapy environment. You know, so you all know how to get help together. You all know how to interact together. But we have to be more open because we're losing too many. And there's no such thing as, oh, she had it all. Why would she do that? There's no such thing. Because there's millionaires that are miserable. <laughs> you know, there's... the as we see with all of these high-profile cases, money, fame, it, none of it matters when you have that monster sitting on you, when you have that dark cloud hanging over you. None of it matters. None of it can bring you peace. And really, ultimately, that's what we're all looking for is peace. I don't know about happiness, but peace. And... There are some of us that will go to great lengths to find it because this is really a miserable way to live, to be honest with you. So I want you to start talking more. I want you to find help. You know, if you are the person that's feeling like I'm feeling, then reach out to professionals. And, and get some help. If you feel like you've crossed the line, go to the hospital. All you have to do is go to the emergency room and let them know that you're having thoughts of harming yourself and they will take you right away. And there's nothing to be ashamed of because we need you and my intellectual mind knows that I'm needed here. I have a purpose here. It's just hard to drown out that voice. And so if you ever feel like you are at a stage where you just can't deal anymore, then please, please reach out to a professional. If you need help, of course, like I always say, reach out to me, you know, and I can give you some links to try to find a professional. Find a confidant, find one person that you trust and you don't have to share intimate details. You don't have to go into, you know, your whole story. Just let them know that, you know, you're not feeling well, you're not feeling safe. And that's it. And that just opens the door. I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard. I can tell you that it's hard. Um, feeling hopeless and, and feeling lost is feeling unproductive. You know, I, I'm, I'm at the stage where every day I feel like a loser because I'm not doing stuff. Um, but these are all things that we're struggling with. And so if you feel that this is you or this is a loved one, then reach out to a professional, go online, take a screening test, 
you know, Google, we have Google. <laughs> Google has everything now. Take a screening test. Answer a couple of questions. And do what's necessary to make yourself feel better. I'm going to give you those numbers again. The Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. And the Crisis Text Line is 741-741. Thank you again for listening. I, I know I went a little, little longer today, but I just felt that this was an important conversation to have in light of everything that's going on in the world today. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. If you need to reach out to me, reach out to me. Thank you to Illuminated Technology for being our tech guru and getting us out there. And I hope that you all take care and stay well. There's nowhere to go